Well, hello again. I'm glad to be with you. I'm Andrew Marquez, and this is the Baptist on the Bible podcast. Here is your 7 at 7 devotion, a seven-minute encouragement from Scripture offered every Monday and Friday at 7 a.m. Today, we're continuing on our series from 1 Peter chapter 3. It's called Persecution, the Proof of Our Proclamation. Today, we're going to look at kind of the other side of what sustains us in persecution. We've already talked about how we need to be ready, we need to be prepared, but what really keeps us through the battle when persecution comes is remembering our righteous victor. We need to remember Jesus Christ, and it's in remembering Christ that we will have the sustaining power necessary, you know, the power that only comes through Him by the power of the Holy Spirit to get us through times of persecution. And so we're going to go ahead and read verses 17 through uh, 20 today, and then we'll finish out the section next time. So let's go ahead and read the passage, and then we'll talk a little bit about it. Beginning at verse 17, For it is better, if it is the will of God, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, who formerly were disobedient, when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. All right, and so that's where we'll pause today. This will feed into the discussion on baptism next time. But we have to recall what was going on and how in the midst of our own uh, encounter with persecution, we need to remember Christ. It's better to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. But just as Christ suffered for sins for us, we can suffer and be persecuted, recognizing that God will sustain us and God brings about the salvation. But oftentimes that salvation is in the midst of a persecution, and that's where the flood reference comes in. And so when we're looking at this, we have to remember, first off, Christ, uh, he suffered for us. He was persecuted to the point of death for us. And so when we think that things are getting hard, and maybe my livelihood is in question, or my uh, worldly possessions, I might lose them, uh, that is small potatoes. You know, Jesus suffered and died. Sometimes we think, um, well, we might be losing a next generation. We might be losing our kids, our families, and that's a little bit more serious. And the answer, though, is the same in all circumstances. We look to Christ. We remember what Christ did on the cross, and we remember that he did not need to do that, but he did that out of love for us. And it's out of our love for him that we can be sustained. And so we recognize that Jesus was persecuted and that he went through this so we know that we can go through it being part of his body. And second, we remember that Christ was vindicated. This is that very important passage that we see. He went to essentially uh, hell. He descended to the holding place of death, Hades, and he spoke to the spirits in prison. We could spend a lot of time discussing what does this mean. Uh, there's really good videos that you can watch. I know John Piper has an excellent video on this, and there's many other people who have uh, attempted at it. You can read it in your study Bibles. I'm kind of convinced by the view that these are the fallen spirits at the time of Noah. These might be the angels that uh, rebelled against God and were put in prison. And what is Christ doing? Speaking to those spirits, he's actually proclaiming his victory to those spirits. And so whatever they were trying to thwart in God's redemptive plan was ended. And Christ goes and he proclaims his victory to those spirits. I don't believe this is a second chance for those who never heard the gospel. I don't believe that that's what is being referred to here. I really do believe this is a moment of proclamation of God's victory. And it's in that sense that we recognize that as Christ was vindicated for persecuting for righteousness' sake, you and I will be vindicated 
by Christ himself. And so if you endure hardship today, if you endure persecution today, if you don't even make it out of this, uh, in, in this life, if you are taken out of this life because of righteousness and persecuted for that, your vindication day is coming. You may be vindicated in this life and you may be vindicated ultimately in the life to come. And so be encouraged, don't worry. It was General Dwight Eisenhower who said, there are no victories at discount prices. If we want to be victorious as our Savior and Lord was victorious, we need to stand with him through persecution and look to the victory. And it's in that moment that we'll receive the great crowns that the Bible refers to. So that is what I want you to be encouraged by today. Stand with Christ, remember his persecution, remember his vindication, and endure. And knowing that, I wanted to talk about a little bit, uh, something that's coming up. This Wednesday, many of you know, is referred to as Ash Wednesday. This is not something Baptists typically celebrate, but many Baptists do. It's the beginning of the Lenten season. And that essentially is a period of preparation for Resurrection Day, when we celebrate Christ's resurrection. And so many denominations, uh, historically Catholic, Lutheran, Anglican, uh, they've celebrated seasons of Lent. And Baptists, some are doing this and some aren't. We don't view any day as more special than another, but we do recognize that it's helpful sometimes to set, a, set aside time to prepare and focus our minds and spirits on God. So I wanted to encourage you to consider uh, practicing the Lenten season, not out of obligation or duty, not trying to earn God's favor, but rather as an opportunity just to draw close to God. And so um, the Marquez household, we're going to actually try to uh, implement maybe the Daniel diet for the next 40 days, starting on Ash Wednesday. And so historically, you would give up something like meat. So if you give up meat for 40 days, that's the abstinence. And if you wanted to fast, the historical way of doing so would be Monday through Saturday in the West. This is the old school way of doing it. You would not eat until the ninth hour when Christ gave up his spirit. And that's 3 p.m. So you would intermittent fast Monday through Saturday or, and um, not eat meat at all for 40 days, and that would be a way to do the Lenten fast. I'm going to attempt to do that, and again, you know, you're welcome to join me in that, but the idea is rather than just giving up or trying to endure hardship for the sake of it, it's more about centering our minds and our hearts on God and recognizing that our sinful nature needs to be checked every now and then, and fasting is a great way to do it. So I would invite you to consider doing something for Lent, give up something, and focus your spirit on Christ. I hope that encourages you. I hope that you're blessed today. Take care.